When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the chills. As you all know, I've been in recovery, and the one thing you can always rely on is your football team to provide you sucker through the hard times. But we've been having a bit of a December dip, and it's been a little bit depressing, and now it feels like it's a, a December depression. But are we the victims of circumstance or the creators? of our own chaos. Well, the people that I've rounded up and we've gone for the finest minds in football, in thought process, to get them to talk about this subject, none of them could make it. So here he is. It's only Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. Ah, a slow rising V sign. I love it. How are you? You okay? I'm bearing up, mate. Bearing up. I mean, I'm basically in mince pies and Netflix mode now. You know, I'm Excellent. Sort of doing, I'm doing the kind of odd thing, but I've logged off, essentially. I'm now buffering until Excellent. after Christmas. Well, that's all you can do. What are you buffering? I'm buffering. I'm just, you know, just just not not fully, fully uh, at my maximum bandwidth. <laughs> Unlike, because I've got a job, Kerry. Sounds like euphemism. We work all the way up to Christmas and then we kind of take some time off. We don't have Excuse this kind of like me. constant time off thing that you do. The other disembodied voice was not me asking that question. You should have held that abuse at him. It's only Mr. Beard, very bearded. Oh, have you been dyeing that jet black, that beard there? It's Gary Hayes. There's no dye on this, Kerry. Don't need it, mate. Oh, really? It's, actually, it's all grey now. You get some light on you. How are you, Gary? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm That's good. Keep, you know, keeping myself busy, tired, overworked, overpaid. <laughs> well, there's, <laughs> Over there's here. A, yeah, there's actually a whole stack of lies in that last sentence. But and let, over. Let's move on. Okay, what I want to start with, are we, with the way the chaos of everything is going... COVID, injuries, fixture pileups. Are we at the moment with everything, and we'll get on to the game specifically, are we the victims of circumstance or the creators of our own chaos? And I'll throw that open to Andy first. Um, well, I think a bit of both, uh, if I'm honest. I think we certainly are the victims of circumstance. We have got a significant injury list, and that injury list does include some very key players. Um, so we are the victim of that circumstance. Obviously, uh, there have been some COVID positive tests within the camp, uh, as Thomas Tuchel has been very vocal about in recent days. Um, should we have done better, even though we have those issues? I think yes. I think we we haven't 
uh, perhaps dealt with it as well as we could have done. Certain players who probably could have and should have risen to the occasion have not in recent games. Um, I still think the margins are fairly fine. We'll come on and we'll talk about some of the games, but particularly in the Everton game where we had so many chances to to build a convincing lead over Everton, didn't take them. Um, they're the margins. If we'd have put two of those, three of those away, and then people would have said, well, we would steamroll them, but we didn't, you know, and, and that's the problem is we're not being ruthless enough with the opportunities that we're creating. Um, so it is slightly concerning that we are looking a bit insipid up front. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I think we've had an unfortunate run of injuries and uh, an illness, uh, but we should have done better. Okay, Gary, same question to you. Victims of circumstance or creators of our own chaos? Creators of our own chaos. Excellent. Would you like to elucidate? That's why Gary gets played the big bucks for that kind of insightful analysis. Wow. It was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I feel as though I know so just, much. I'm, more. I'm just not. I'm just not sitting. I'm just not sitting on the fence. I'm just not sitting on the fence. If I'd have just tuned into this show, I mean, I would have thought, well, that's brilliant. This is this is why I come for that kind of analysis. <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to give my analysis. I just answered the question. <laughs> yeah, but you sat back looking rather proud of yourself. No, said. I wasn't. Go on then, Gary. I, go go on. off you go. Oh, okay. oh, right. We can't okay. wait. What, what was the question? <laughs> you know very well. Come on, let's have it. Well, I just think that, you know, I don't know why. I know we gave Giroud a contract and then sold him. But it was always a fear and a concern going into the season where you only had two strikers. One was a misfiring striker and then you had Lukaku. And now it's set up where you need someone like a Giroud in the squad, right? Because I think that it's a good squad we've got. And people go, oh, but Chelsea have got so many players. But I think it's top heavy in certain areas. And I think if they had done enough to keep Giroud, then Giroud would be playing right now. And I, I, The reason why I only answered the question very briefly before is that because I know he hasn't played a lot at Milan so I just wanted to go and look at his stats and this season at Milan in the league he's made five starts and come off the bench three times he's still got four goals but I just think I look at that and I just think okay for Giroud other than the fact that he's probably got a plush pad on Lake Como or something playing for Milan nothing's really changed for him right I think if Chelsea just said to him look you're gonna get games you're gonna play this amount of games that I reckon he would have probably stayed and I just look and think, you know, because I think the problem we got is when you look at the Everton game, really, I, I, I had a joke um, before the game. I met Alison before the game because she went on Andy's tickets and um, we just joked. She goes, oh, what do you think? I was, oh, it's going to be about 7-0, isn't it? You know, just messing around. But when you look at it, it should have been 7-0. It should have been like the Norwich game. And I know Everton have got a depleted squad and they, you know, much has been made of you know, a few of the kids that are in the team. But really, we should have just steamrolled them. We missed so many opportunities, but it's almost like they just thought, oh, we've got this wrapped up, so they weren't as clinical. But then I just think at the same time as well, and when you go over into the Wolves game, it's, we're missing that pivot anchor man in the middle that's going to bring the likes of Pulisic or Ziyech or Mount, whoever it is in those attacking positions, bring them into play to put them beyond him to score a goal, whereas they haven't got that at the moment. So they are a bit predictable because they want to keep playing in front of them and no one's there to sort of help him get in behind. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that someone like Giroud, not that he's the answer to every single problem, but having that extra striker within the squad who's got the know-how, which is what a 34, 35-year-old is all about now in, in, you know, in the modern game, I think that's where it, it becomes victims of our own downfall. Obviously, I know when Chelsea were top and we were flying and we were smashing teams, we weren't really thinking about that. But 
we're not directors of football. We're not, you know, football executives that are running clubs planning for these problems, right? And I just I think, think that... Uh, I, think, I think in, in, in principle, in theory, you're absolutely right. He would have been a great option as a third striker. But we know that we only give players at that age one-year contracts. And we only give players at that age a certain amount of money. Now, I don't know what Milan gave him. I presume more than a one-year contract. That's why he went. And, and but he also, signed an extension to stay at Chelsea. His, his yeah. contract had run out and he signed it to stay at Chelsea for another year. So he was officially our player for this season. And then we right. sold him. Don't you think they gave him that deal so that they could get money to sell him and probably gave him a cut? Well, just I don't know what the circumstances are, but it must have been a better deal for him to go to Milan. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's as easy as saying we should have just kept him. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I'm sure you'll you'll accept that as well. But um, I, I don't think it's ever as easy as that. So I'd like to, to know what the circumstances are of the uh, of the deal were before I you know start to throw aspersions on our planning. I think yeah. so. He 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 got he got a one year extension, which everyone was surprised about at us at Chelsea. Yes, and then about six weeks later he left. Yeah, but that, that's. I think that's just... I think Kerry's right on that one. I think that was I, a, that was a commercial it, decision. It, it, but he went for like one and a half million, and I just think that for Giroud to sign a deal to say to Chelsea, okay, I will sign a deal that then means Milan have got to pay one and a half million for me to go to you. There's nothing in that for Giroud because as the free agent... Well, you don't know what gets, the deal is with Chelsea. Chelsea yeah, might have said, you, you know what? Know. You might, you, Chelsea might have said, tell you what, we'll split it with you. They what, make three yeah, quarters what, of a million. Yeah, what I'm saying though is that <laughs> when a player becomes a free agent, whether they're 35 or 28, they're not signing a gentleman's agreement with the club so that the club gets money and they get money. No, but... That that's not the point. The point is he did a deal with Chelsea. Yeah, but I think reading between the lines, Chelsea Chelsea signed him up thinking we don't know where we're going to be of a striker. Then they ended up getting Lukaku knowing it was going to happen. They went, okay, we can let him go. And they just let him go on the cheap, didn't didn't fight it off, and they said, Okay, look, we've got what we wanted, now go. I just think they should have just kept him for another year. Yeah, just think- well, they, I just seen he, he signed a two year deal with AC Milan, which is what I suspected. So, you know, it's a better deal for him. That's it's just a very it's just a very odd set of circumstances, right? Obviously there's nuances at play that you and I and you know journalists who work in that won't have you know, they, they won't be privy to. But I was looking to think that they had him for a year. They should have done or even well, not maybe even... he didn't want to stay for him. maybe the deal was that you know he wanted out because they'd offered him a two year deal, but the one year extension was so they could get some money for him. You know, it's just a conversation, isn't but, it? But, but, I mean the other but, argument is to keep Tammy. Well, I was going to. I was about to go to that. The, the the other thing as well is that you let Abraham go, and you look at it and you think, okay, I, I understand because the value they're getting and, and everything else. But that you've got to come to a point where you look at it and think, for a team that's in the Champions League, you know, earlier on in the season when we did the podcast, we, we were speaking about um, who we were playing in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup, and I just said, I oh, look. Not that I want us to lose matches, but I don't really care where we go because the Club World Cup is going to be a bigger thing for us, right? Now we've got Brentford potentially this week, if that goes ahead. If we win that game, suddenly we've got two more games in January, right? Where we've got no players. We've got all the Christmas fixture lists to contend with. And then in February, games against Leicester and Arsenal are postponed because obviously we're in... Saudi Arabia for the Club World Cup. That's what I mean about victims of your own downfall, right? Chelsea are going to have a massive, massive fixture pile up 
and they we don't have the squad to fill it out. Well, we, we will have players because some of those players were out for testing positive and they weren't have tested positive. So we'll have those back. No, I, I understand that. But then we don't know what condition they're going to come back in because no. they've tested positive. So they, it might be that they get it. You know, we know what happened to Havertz, right? It was sort of performing and then he just dropped off a cliff and it took him a while to get back on the back of, we on won't the, back be the end of COVID. Thing, no, no, sure. But it just still leaves us unnecessarily stretched when we're going into a period where, you know, thank the Lord we got Lille in the Champions League because you'd think that the squad we've got depleted should do enough to get into the next round against the I just them think hindsight's games. a wonderful thing. You know, yeah, I, I genuinely do. And, and I think, you know, because you could say, well, we should have kept Armando Brogia. You know, he, he would have been the perfect third striker. Yeah, He's I, 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 I wouldn't go so far as that. I'd, I'd just look in and just think, look, as, as a football club, you've got to prepare for the worst, right? And it's, it's not like we were all you know, upset that Giroud was going, but you look at it now and yeah, it is in hindsight, but then we're, we're fans, we're not executives and we can look back in hindsight, right? But I just look and just think there's certain things that get done at football clubs where you just think that you knew something like this was on the card. You knew this was happening. Mm. Um, Chelsea well, have gone I, I, I think, I think it's a simplistic view of it. That, yeah, that's I mean, I think you're right in the fact that we were light in the striker department. That's that's the only thing we can say with any assurity. Um, and also, you know, there, there is something that I, I would like... There's two things I'd like to talk about. One is that actually the worst thing is we on paper have so many wonderful creative players, but yet our ratio of hitting tar- shots on target is 26% of our shots are actually on target. Does that shock you, Andy, for a Premier League side like Chelsea? And it's been a problem for a few years now. What, well, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know what, what, you know, about on target. It doesn't sound great. My concern is conversions, you know, conversion, oh, you know, well, XG, more I think you'd call it, wouldn't you? And, and yeah. I think that, you know, essentially we're not converting chances and that's an issue. And I think that we have a lack of finishing. You know, when we come and talk about Everton, we can talk about Reese James, we can talk about Mason Mount, we can talk about, you know, some of those opportunities that were squandered and that's happened time and time again this season. Then you compare that with Liverpool and Man City and their XG or their, you know, their their conversion rate and it's much, much higher. And, well, and that is an issue. And some of that's down to the fact that we're relying on fullbacks with those chances and Maybe they're not, you know, they're not born dead-eyed killers in the same way that strikers are. And, and it goes back to Gary's point about not having, you know, the depth in strikers that we probably should have. You know, we have other finishers in the team that just simply aren't performing, whether that's Pulisic or whether it's Ziyech who are there to, you know, to finish, who should be able to finish. You know, Mason Mount, who I, th- who I think conversion rate could be higher, although he's doing very, very well uh, in terms of scoring goals. You know, he's also not taking chances that perhaps he should. So I think it's a problem throughout the team that we're not finishing. And I think you can put a lot of the issues in terms of games that we should have won and didn't win. Um, and it sounds, again, very simplistic, down to the fact that we are not converting chances. Shots on target, fine. You know, it's more finish, finishing. It's actually, you know, actually finishing and scoring goals that's the issue. Well, I'd be yeah. interested when you talk of XG, I'd be interested to see what the XG is in comparison to the shots on target, because you could have. 20 shots on target from the halfway line, but your XG would be something like minus five because people don't score from the halfway line, right? The XG is all about the players being in the positions where goals are converted. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's always the issue. I'd, what I'd be interested to see on that stat as well, Kerry, is where those shots are being made from, whether they are shooting from range. Because yeah. I think that Chelsea, and just to look at the Everton game again, is that, you know, I'm not criticising Pulisic unfairly here, but there was the moment when... Um, 
there was a lovely bit of um, combination play where Ziyech crossed it in. No, I think Alonso crossed it in, sorry, and Pulisic tried a little deft back flick. Yeah. yeah, and it was an easy save for Pickford. And when I watched it back on match of the day, I just saw it and I just thought, Lukaku's not doing that. That's, and that's not because Pulisic is crap. It's just that Pulisic isn't used to being in that position, right? Lukaku's wants to, in that position, wants to get it and hold it up and maybe find someone to turn and spin. Whereas Pulisic... Against, against Everton was 3.2. Yeah, see, there you go. That's where you start getting concerned. Because yeah, the, the, exactly. game the game should have been wrapped up. I, I only pick, picked out the percentage because it's such a low percentage of the shots that you have that is actually on target is 26%. It's a low number. What is so it with ex- Liverpool and City? <clears throat> uh, I'm sure Andy will know that, and, and he'll tell you in a minute. But first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, Gary, the, the other thing I want to talk about is your overall view of the COVID situation. Do you think it was wrong? And we'll talk about the actual games specifically in a minute. Do you think Tuchel was right that it was wrong that we couldn't have our game cancelled against Wolves? And do you think that we are actually imbalanced as a league now because some people get games cancelled, other people don't? You know, we could end up playing through this just having enough players to play a game, but it's not the team we pick. And then, man, you have a break for six weeks or something, come back with everybody fit, and they win all their catch-up games, but we've struggled through it. It seems as though, look, unfair is not a word you can usually use in sport, but there have been a few occasions recently. I think imbalanced is the fair term, because I I don't know the full extent to what it was at Villa, but they get that game cancelled. And we play Brentford midweek. Now, our next home game, you know, our, sorry, our next game in the league is Villa on Boxing Day, right? So that means Villa have gone, what, the best part of two weeks without playing, yet we would have played twice with a depleted squad in between those games, right? So that's that's not a healthy position to be in. Um, but then equally, you can look at it as well and think that, you know, maybe Chelsea are getting points on the board where I think what happens, you, you do see it every year, where teams that have games in hand might look good. So like, oh, if they win their games in hand, they're going to win the league. You know, they're going to win the league by 30 points, but they have to play so many games so quick that not just only physically tied, they're mentally tied, those players, and they don't quite get the results. So it could work both ways. But I just think that the grounds for which Chelsea had to get Wolves postponed, I think were fair. And I think if a club like, say, Liverpool were in the same position... I think we would have seen headlines all over the back pages like they were with VAR today about how dare they not do this for Liverpool? How dare Andy Robertson get sent off and Kane not? I just think that there would have been Chelsea do it and it's almost, it does, it makes a headline, but it, it's sort of like, this, it's not the back page. But if this was Liverpool, then it would be, right? And I just look at it and think that Chelsea had grounds for it. The fact that not only are they putting two goalkeepers on the bench, there's only actually four outfield players in amongst the bench and they're a man down on the bench as well. I just think the Premier League should have looked at that and seen if what it was. Uh, yeah, because there's also the, the thought, people said, oh, why aren't Chelsea using their youngsters? Well, it turns out that they they uh, operate in a separate bubble, so they didn't want to transfer players over because players obvious, were going that to... Was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's it, it's a biased way of viewing it. Andy, what's your thoughts on the COVID thing? Is it imbalanced now? 
How do we rectify it? And will the Premier League try and keep as many games going as possible? Uh, don't know about the last one. You know, I don't know what the Premier League are thinking. Um, I think the, the Premier League are looking at it very much in commercial terms rather than player safety terms, and that concerns me. Um, obviously, they know that if they cancel games or they call games off, that's a huge amount of money to them, to the clubs, and you know they're going to they're going to work. Their job is to kind of maximise the commercial opportunities, um, so they're going to work towards that, which concerns me. I, I'm with Gary. I think we have uh, a very good case for calling off the game. You know, as Gary says, four four outfield players on the bench. One of those was Saul. You know, it's uh, it's not <laughs> well, it's not but, ideal, but, is it? But the thing is, but, but being serious, jokes aside, one of them's Kovacic, who, like Tuchel said, he, he yeah. came back yesterday. And two keepers. And he's, he's had to yeah, come on and play. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it's it's not really ideal. had three and a half players. It's not ideal. So, you know, who, who knows? I just think, again, it's another uh, it's, it's another conversation of hypotheticals because I don't know where, you know, what, what the nuances of it are. But on the surface of it, it doesn't look particularly fair. I mean, Spurs have now got three games in hand. Um, so there's an argument to say points on the board is better than having games in hand. But still, you know, if they get players back, if they get a break... You know, they could be in a situation. I think they're coming out of this best out of everyone. Yeah, I do as well. So there'll be one point behind us if they win their their, their games. But also as well, we we know Conte, right? He has been drilling those players, and you could see it against Liverpool. Even though Klopp comes out of his snarky comments about them, you could see that they look more like a team now. I'm not that they're yeah. that great, but they're going to be better, and they've come out of it even better as well. Because today, UEFA have said, "Oh yeah, your game you postponed. You lost three 0 You're not actually in the UEFA Super Conference Vauxhall League anymore." <laughs> you know, uh, so I bet Conte's like, "I don't care." The Betfair Johnson's paying yeah, for the European League. Yeah. Conte's not playing Thursday match, Thursday night matches. Anymore anymore so that eases their fixture list at the time yeah. they needed to be eased for the league but then what did we see with Conte in that first season 16-17 when we had no European football because we'd finished 10th yeah we looked three, ga- the three best games team. in hand Man United have now got two games in hand uh Wolves have got uh no sorry West Ham have got uh, a game in hand you know it's like that, those could be crucial when when players come back you know and and, and that is concerning um I think I, put, I didn't go to the game against Everton. I just didn't, you know, it didn't feel appropriate to go to that game. So, as you say, I, you know, gave my tickets to, to your friend. Um, why why or, was it not appropriate, did you think? I just didn't feel just before Christmas to put myself into that situation. I've got elderly relatives, you know, I've got, you know, young baby in the family. It, it didn't feel person I'm judging other people for going they, they make their own decisions but personally I didn't want to do that just before Christmas when I'd be seeing all those people you know be, being amongst that many people um, after Christmas perfectly fine it's like I'm not seeing anybody that's on me and I'll go, I'll go to football matches but I just didn't and I, and I know a lot I mean you said Gary there was quite a lot of gaps in the crowd wasn't there it didn't yeah didn't seem... ne- next to my seats there's about 10 seats in a row I put a picture of it on Twitter it's about 10 in a row just like yeah I sit we sit right on the corner in the West End where the A is. Yeah. It's the middle of the A. So it's the white line and it was just the white line of the the A was just empty. Yeah. So I didn't go to that game. You know, I'll go to the other games. Um certainly from from Christmas Day onwards. <coughs> um I don't know. It's it's um it's a funny old time. If it were me, I'd probably take a fire break. I'd probably say just Take a pause on this over Christmas and, and you know, try and get some protocols in place, try and get some players back. You know, the other thing that we haven't talked about is the amount of unvaccinated Premier League players. That was going you to know, be my next point. That, that's not... 
you know, that's not something that's been massively highlighted that probably should. Something like 25% of Premier League players are unvaccinated, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Now, that's a personal choice. I'm, I'm not for compulsory vaccinations. That, that You know, I believe that everybody should be vaccinated. I'm pretty strong about that. And I think certainly if you're in a group or you're operating within a group and other people's health is at risk, you should consider that. Um, but I thought that's an astonishingly high figure when you compare it to the rest of society. Um, so that doesn't help the kind of optics of the situation either. Um, so there's, it's a really complex situation. My, um, my concern with the whole thing is what's the motivation here? Is it commercial or is it player safety? That, for me, is the big question. Has to be the commercial aspect. If you've got Tuchel, and look, he may be saying this after the Wolves game, after what happened, um, but when he's saying, we go down for breakfast, we all have breakfast together... One of the players tests as positive. The rest of us then go and sit in a bus. Mm. How is that about health safety and mm. player safety? And that concerns me because in the old days, <laughs> the old days, we, we are now down the line enough to talk about the old days of COVID. But if you were in a place with somebody who tested positive, that would be it. You'd be self-isolating for 10 days or whatever. If you'd be In the quarters. old days... They used to tape up the water bottles so people wouldn't give each other colds and flu. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the old days, everybody would have very clear protocols about what thing they could drink out of and everything because they didn't want players to get ill. And now we have a much more serious situation and they're all allowed to sit in a toxic COVID soup on a bus. I remember being at the training ground and a masseuse grabbed some strawberries from the cans because it's like you'd go along and you'd get your food, but then they had like a buffet area for fruit and stuff. And a masseuse grabbed some strawberries with his hand and they replaced them all because a player went mental and said, what are you doing? We could get ill off that. And that was, that was 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah. I remember sitting there and there was a big commotion. We're like, whoa, what's going on there? Well, yeah, no, well, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? That, you know, they, they were, were taking, like, they were taking serious like measures that. against what were relatively, you know, sort of not, not serious things, whether they be colds or flu, but they could put a player out of a game. And now you're talking about putting a player out for, for a long time if they get a serious case. And yet they seem to be incredibly lax about it. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's a complex and nuanced subject, but it doesn't look right from the outside. No, it, it, it feels uncomfortable. Everything just to answer your question about XG, I was just looking up the Liverpool XG here. Yep. So in the last couple of games uh, against Tottenham, uh, they scored two goals, but their XG was 2.8. Uh, and against Newcastle, they scored three goals and their XG was 2.94. So they're kind of on it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and that seems to be a yeah, theme clinical. going all the way through. They're taking their chances. We're not. Yeah. So explain XG. So how does that? Because ours expected what, goals. Point, it's, yeah, it's but, just no, but goals how does it there. work? Because ours was three point whatever. Yeah, what it is, Kerry, is it's um, XG is where <clears throat> they get your chance, and it's all weighed up against the player in that position, the position he's in. So if you get the goalkeeper with an open goal, it's not an expected goal because it's a goalkeeper. If you get Lukaku with an open goal, it's an expected goal. And I said sort of a loose. It, example but it's all weighed up on these number of factors so then it gives you this scientific breakdown to say look on average you should have scored 3.8 goals in this game because the players that found themselves in those positions with that opportunity so for for Liverpool for instance you can say immediately that their XG was higher than what they got because Robertson missed that header within the first minute that he should have scored so that when you put that into the system into the computer they're like well that goal would have normally been scored in that position. Therefore, it's a goal that was missed. 
Yeah, so in summary, it's a statistical measurement of the quality of goal-scoring chances and the likelihood <coughs> of them being scored, in very simple terms. Yeah. So, so it's, not, you... it's not hugely scientific, but it's more scientific than we've had, as Gary says. They, they kind of weight it in certain areas. So, you know, I'm a little bit dismissive of it, but, you know, it's because I'm old. Um, yeah. but, but anybody that, you know, that, that, you know, is a, it, you know, follows the modern game and, you know, looks at these things will, will, will say that it's actually a, a decent measurement. So, you know, if you look back at Liverpool and, and, and Man City's XG, it's not something I want to obsess on. Um, but th- theirs is much higher or, or much more accurate than ours. And, and it does seem to be the, the sort of the elephant in the room for us is like, hey, look, you can create these chances. You just can't finish them. So, so therefore, you know, you have all these games where we come out of traps and, you know, we attack teams, we get on the front foot, we have dominant possession, and then we go in at half time, either 1 0 up or 0 0, and, you know, very, very vulnerable to the sucker punch, which is presumably quite a nice, nice segue into the Everton game. Absolutely. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, what you're saying is basically our expected goals as high, but our actual return is low. Exactly. Okay, got it. Well, look, I tell you what, before we come to the Everton game, let's go to a quick commercial break and then we'll discuss Everton Wolves and then the Brentford game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean... I'm more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at Cooler dot bike or find them on instagram with hashtag cooler king bike cooler dot bike e-bikes that are cool af right okay andy on to everton um side started seeing some uh, covid casualties here increasing covid casualties across the premier league the side he put out what did you think, but, and did you think it should do the job? Well, what we heard before the game was that all the strikers essentially had either tested positive or, or were looking uh, looking unlikely for the game. So that was Werner, Havertz and Lukaku all looking like they weren't going to make it. Um, I mean, the team he put out against a, basically an Everton under-23 team looked like it should do the job. Mendy in goal, back three of uh, Azpilicueta, Silva, Rudiger, uh, Loftus-Cheek partnering Jorginho coming back into midfield, uh, Alonso and James as the fullbacks. And then uh, Mount and Ziyech and Pulisic up front. Pulisic playing the, the the sort of the central striker position, which, you know, it is a point of discussion in itself. Uh, and then that bench, you know, when we only, you know, uh, where we put out, again, two goalkeepers uh, and a bench not exactly blessed with creative or attacking flair. No, absolutely. Well, OK, let's go straight to the point that you've... Um, pointed out and I'll I'll go to Gary with this first Christian Pulisic does he work as a nine you alluded to it earlier would you like to elaborate why are things not coming right for him at the moment for us because he does seem to drift in drift out and doesn't be 
bit seem to be the same intense player we know he has been. Yeah, well, being a nine is just not in his attributes at all, is it? Um, being a false nine, whatever you want to call it, it's just not in his game. And that doesn't mean he's a bad player because it's sort of like asking Aspi to be Mendy. He's not going to be Mendy, is he? You know, um, I, I do think there's flashes of his game that work, but his game is all about playing, you know, like Hazard, right? Playing on the periphery and exploding into space late on. When you're playing that false nine or you're being the nine, you're not meant to be there to do that. And it takes a lot of understanding to to play that role, which is why I think sometimes you look at Werner and he was trying to play as a nine last season. It wasn't quite working for him because I know he was playing through the middle in Germany, but he wasn't in the way that Chelsea are asking him to, right? Whereas Lukaku is that player. So I think that that's where the challenge is for Pulisic. And to ask him to come in and do that, just sort of just drop him in there and do an amazing job of it, it's, it's not going to happen, right? It's, it's as, as frustrating as it is for people, it's just not going to happen, right? And um, I think that maybe that's why Havertz does a better job. Not that Havertz pulls up trees doing it, but he does a better job and sacrifices himself for the team doing so because he's got the attributes to allow him to play there. And I think he understands it a bit. Whereas Pulisic is a guy for the channels. Ziyech is a guy for the channels. I think Mount playing as the, um, playing as the, the false nine is a better person. Listen, yes, I think Gary's right. I don't think Pulisic is a nine. I don't think he's a false nine either. Um, I do think that he's been wildly disappointing in the last couple of games because even though that's not playing to his attributes and his strength, and we all know, as Gary says, he's a channel player, he's a wide player, all the reasons that Gary said, I still think he was invisible. And there should have been more moments in the game where he could have shown something. He could have gone past people. He could have made better movement. He could have shown a bit better. I just think he hid for those two games and got lost. And I think we can go, well, it's not his game. But he didn't do anything. And, you know, and and for me, that was really disappointing. Because even when, for example, Fabregas played in that that, uh, position before, you saw bits of being able to do something. We didn't see anything from Pulisic. We saw one burst yesterday against Wolves where he picked the ball up and burst through and hit it at the key. Well, actually, a good save. One thing in those two games from him that you thought, okay, that's Pulisic. You know, he's a player for me that, yes, he's playing out of position. My son says we shouldn't judge him on that. He's quite right. We probably shouldn't. But it's difficult not to when he does nothing at a time when the, when the team needs him to do something. Yeah, judge him on the Wolves get on the Wolves opportunity that Andy was talking about there because if he puts that away, Chelsea win, right? And we get away with the game. You know, we get yeah, away with three points in the game. Go, well, you showed us. Yeah. Something. Listen, that was a great save. I don't, that, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting that down. It was a great. No, burst, I, I great don't think feat. it was. That that was an XG goal. As we're talking XG, right? He should know, be scoring that. Good, I, yeah, I think we can disagree on that one. I watched, uh, uh, I watched see, it I, before I just we think, came on. I think Hazard in that position scores it. Salah in that position scores it. You know, maybe Sterling in that position scores it. He's got to be scoring a goal like that. He, he does everything right. Alonso, it's a lovely bit of combination play. Alonso's ball through to him. He gets past the defender. He's in on goal. He's got to be scoring. And things the keeper's hand, it doesn't even put it up to save it. It's just there and he just hits it. He's got to be putting it low. I think he should score that. And I'm a big fan of his, right? I don't want to over-criticise him because I do appreciate that he's been asked to do stuff that he's not used to doing. But that goal, when I saw that yesterday, I just thought, mate, you're in the position that, you're meant to be playing. You should be scoring that. Are you yeah. still as are you still as big a fan of him as you were a month ago, Kerry? Uh, 
put it like this. It's one of those moments where I'm having a rocky time in my relationship <laughs> with him. <laughs> but, but I still care deeply about him and I'll still support him. I think it's a thankless task. I think that role... Now, whether that's just him not even getting into it or whatever, it just... He just looked, you know, a ship out, a, a, a fish out of water, and I really can't see that. I would, I'd rather have just played, I don't know, with Thiago Silva up front or anybody. Well, he it's tried it with Saul, to... didn't he? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that didn't work. No, it didn't. Has and... anything worked with Saul yet? I thought he did okay in when he, you know, against Wolves. He wasn't terrible, so that's yeah, he did that's okay. Something. I mean, he was perfectly fine. He yeah. wasn't terrible. But, but yeah, no, I, I take your point, but I, I think he'll come good. I just think we are in such a delicate and also dangerous situation at the moment that we could lose everything that we've built in the first few months in this December period, that an awful lot could be gone for us by the Including time the manager. we get back. Yeah, no. well... <laughs> Who no knows? Chance. Well, it's, no, I think it's unlikely, but, you know, Frank really? was top in no December. No chance. Frank was top in December and then gone by January. Six weeks from top to sacked. No, ain't going to happen. No, I, hope, I, hope, I hope it doesn't, but we said it at the start of the season, didn't we? That there we was hope already we don't a get toxic to feeling around <coughs> Frank, you know. but There's not going to be a toxic feeling around Tuchel. He's too I good, just, you know. I, I, sometimes Frank didn't have this Chelsea. combination of, of circumstances around him. But sometimes they just say... At that club, they just say, doesn't matter, you should be doing it. Look, look at what happened with, you know, uh, Conte or Jose, where they're like, yeah, but I haven't got all the players I want because we haven't got this, we haven't got Conte that. Conte was and, being a dick, and so was yeah, Jose. They're like, they're like, so? They were both being dicks at that you time. Know, uh, Actually, there's uh, an interesting I just think point. That, can, can I just say something? You talk about Frank didn't have the same circumstances last year. And that's absolutely true, even though he was dealing with covid you think how many COVID cases we had last season compared to now. I think that's quite telling. And probably if you look at the amount of footballers that went down with COVID during the season, it was nowhere near we, the amount. Yeah, but I mean, society's maybe, open now. Society yeah, wasn't open. That's what I'm saying. It, it shows what a difference it's made. But, OK, well, look, let's, let's get, get on to the Everton thing. Because, OK, we did manage to score... But then we managed to concede as well. How worrying is the fact that our defence is just conceding now and then? Now, look, we know that teams will always have chances, but they seem to be converting them now. Their XGs against us is going well. Um, does that concern you, Andy? Because it's not necessarily terrible mistakes at making things happen. Well, but there I are mean, mistakes. look, let, let, let's break down Everton's goal. I mean, it was a silly, you know, sort of silly, a silly attempt to pass the ball by Ziek, who then uh, got intercepted. And then Rhys James gave away a silly free kick, which he didn't have to do. Uh, Saul had come on 10 minutes earlier. He lost the man, you know, a ghosting at the back post. It was a good stretch. It was a decent, you know, it was just one of those goals. It was like, we, we gave away the opportunity for them to put a ball into the box that we didn't deal with. Uh, and it went in, and we should never have been in that position because, as I said already, Rhys James had missed an absolute, you know, sitter. Uh, Mason Mount had missed an opportunity, a couple of opportunities. He'd scored a decent goal. Um, and, you know, we were in a situation where we should have been out of sight at that point, and this is exactly what happened in the Burnley game, where, you know, we gave away a set piece and, and um, 
you know, and got done for it. It was a complete sucker punch. And, you know, it was almost like you could have said said that was going to happen. And it did. And this was a poor, poor, depleted Everton side. It was not a good side. And it's like this, you can't put this down to anything but sloppiness and players not rising to the occasion when they should have done. Yeah, and again, it brings me back to that thing, you know, victims of circumstance or creators of our own chaos. It's a really interesting thought, you know, how how this all pans out. Well, if you look at the goals, Kerry, I was just doing the maths now. The, the The last six games, we've conceded 11 goals. The 10 games that preceded that, we conceded three. Mm. Yeah. So something has gone wrong somewhere, right? And a lot of has been made of the fact that Kante hasn't been playing in those, in, uh, you know, in a lot in those six games. But I think as well, you see some of the, some of the errors haven't helped, right? There's been a lot of errors um, individually and team-wise, whether that means, you know, Mount spoke after the West Ham game and I know Tuchel, sort of contradicted him. I was like, no, 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 we're not tired. We're not tired. But Mount said, oh, look, maybe there is a bit of mental fatigue with the guys. We've been through a lot. And that's what happens when players start switching off. Little things they don't normally do start creeping in. And maybe that's an aspect of it, which then leads into this COVID. Players having to play so much more now. Tuchel can't rotate this squad. There's so much going on. What I wanted to ask you, I know you've got an agenda, but it was something just earlier on because you, Andy was talking about the Premier League and... um you know, the Premier League having the roles to play in this. I think that where it, the buck, I know the Premier League have got issues, but I think where the buck stops here is with FIFA, right? You've got this sham of a World Cup happening next year, which is messing with the league systems, which is putting pressure on teams, you know, leagues right now with their scheduling. But then I just think with FIFA, I know I made a big deal out of it in the start of the season. I said, oh, look, I'd rather us win the Club World Cup than the Carabao Cup. I reckon they should just scrap it. They should go, yeah, we're not doing it this year. It's got to get scrapped because these teams in the Premier League and elsewhere, they've got all these strains and we care about the players. We've got a World Cup later on this year. We're just going to scrap it because they do that. And suddenly Chelsea can breathe a little bit. I know it's not just about Chelsea, but just looking at teams generally that those games with Leicester and Arsenal are back on, but we can move them still to allow us to accommodate for other games. It could, that, that Those two games, it make, you know, it gives you two more games in the, win, in, in the window of the fixture list. It, it just makes it so much easier. I think if yeah, you're talking think, about caring for players, yeah, but are, their, for their players. argument would be there's only eight there's only eight teams left in that now. It's the quarterfinals, you know. It, it, it seems you know unnecessary to do that. That's what their argument would be. I, I understand what their argument would be. Just like I understand what the Premier League's argument is now. Doesn't mean I agree with it. I just look yeah. at it and just think, what what are you doing? Just scrap this. I know I've said you know I'd love to see Chelsea win just because we've never won it, but really, are Chelsea going to be on an open top bus going around? We're champions of the world. It's sort of a it's just yeah, a it's, pointless look, it's one of those yeah. things. I, I, I get totally what you're saying, Gary. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, th- I think this is the problem with football. We are suddenly again, and we've been talking for years about having less tournaments to allow our teams to progress more and to eventually allow our international side to progress more. But what we're doing is we're finding that we're getting more and more competitions. The idea of the World Cup every two years, the idea that, you know, we've got the Nations League, then there, there is no room to breathe. And also, we're in different times now. We, we used to have a set season 
and we used to have a set period for internationals. Everything was organised. Your year was organised. And now everything is topsy-turvy, not just because of fixtures, but because of the health issues and things. And it's something we need to, to find a way to resolve because the players will burn out. They just will. Look, we should, we should also mention the Wolves game because it's, it's a similar story. Um, and in a way... Um, the Wolves side, well, it just ended up more decimated, didn't it, Andy? But in a way, Wolves haven't been playing badly, considering the side we had, which you'll tell us in a second. Do you think that a draw wasn't a bad result at the end of the day with that game? No, I think we should have won it. And, um, you know, I, I think we should win every game, frankly. Um, you're asking me to be to apply logic and, and a measured opinion on Chelsea, which I, I find very difficult to do. Isn't that what um, this podcast is known for? <laughs> look, you know, there was a couple of things in that Wolves lineup, wasn't there? You know, we looked at the team beforehand and we saw, you know, we saw a midfield that could have either been Chalaba or James, you know, next to Kante. Kante was back, so that, you know, that, that, that made us all happy. And in fact, he was, I thought, superb throughout the game. Um, he went with Chalaba next to him. Um, and which meant Aspilicueta, Silva, Rudiger at the back, uh, James and Alonso as the fullbacks, Kante and Chalaba as the double six, and again Mount Ziyech and Pulisic uh, up front. Now Pulisic didn't work again, and I'm afraid I don't think Chalaba worked either. And I said before I would rather have had James in midfield with Chalaba in the back did. three and Aspilicueta as uh, as the right fullback. I mean I did say that, and you know yeah, I, I just said you did. Yes, I did, and 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 um, thank you, and and I think that uh, you know the Chalaba thing just didn't work, and so you know we we were at a disadvantage. Look, we didn't play as well as we played against Everton because, as you say, Everton uh, Wolves are a, a much stronger team with a much more settled and um, and and full strength team, you know, that, that they could put out, uh, and they did cause us on occasions problems. But you know, I think. Listen, there were moments in the game where we, we probably could have stepped it up a little bit more. Apart from Kante and Silva, it was a very insipid performance. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'd say that, that going back to the point we're making earlier about the fact that maybe they're tired and things, you saw Reese James making some dreadful mistakes in the first half. Yeah. And you, you just think that's not the guy who normally plays like that. You know, there's something wrong, don't you think? Um but, you know, it, there's something really we need to find a way to get some players back because we're going to have the same team. I don't even know how they're going to change it for Brentford because if these players are all with COVID, they're not coming back till after Christmas anyway. So how does it work, Gary? What's the answer? Because we are seeing signs of dreadful mistakes. And also, we've, we're lacking that fluidity and we're lacking that movement and we're lacking what, Andy, your key word that you always say drives you mad, intensity. It's just gone from the game. Now, that can be down to lots of reasons, but I think it's tiredness and also playing with unexpected players in certain roles. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, there's no intensity. Um, it's almost like they're just playing to get through the game, which you can't blame them for either because when they know they're playing on Wednesday and they've been forced to play on Sunday, they can't just go hell for leather, right? They've got to pace themselves in the hope that they can just do enough to win the game. I think you saw that against Wolves. Some of the performance where the first half wasn't great, 
it was, you know, we spoke before, didn't we, Kerry? And you, you saw everything that was going on. And it's like, this has got defeat written all over it. And, um, but then the second half, they came out and there was a bit more about them. Um, so I can understand why they're playing like that. But then sometimes as well, when you have to play like that, it's hard to get yourself going again. And I just, you, you look at this team right now and I'm, I'm just worried about where we're going to be, which is why I know it sounds a bit hyperbolic to talk about the manager maybe not being there at some point. But I think if we just, you know, we're six points behind City now. We've, I think we've dropped nine points in the last five games. That's not the manager's fault. I'm not, I don't hold the manager to account for a second. Um, but I think when you look at, if we're, if we come out of Christmas and we're 12 points behind City and they've got two games in hand or something because they've had games postponed and we haven't, or whatever the circumstances are, and it rolls into February and we get knocked out by Lille in the Champions League, the heads will roll because they see it as this isn't good enough. And I just think that we're, we're in such a pivotal stage of the season now, but also, you know, a pivotal stage of certain careers at Chelsea as well. And it's just, it's come about through this perfect storm of COVID, isn't it really? And it's, it's affected all facets of the club. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I, I, I have to emphasise, I disagree with you about the manager. I, I think it's a very unique situation that he's in. Bought a £100 million striker who's been constantly injured or, or you know, testing positive. You know, you've got players out. It, it's really not like situations in the past. I mean, you mentioned Conte and Jose Mourinho. They were both at loggerheads with the board, you know. They are at, at, at the time that they went. So I don't think they, you know, you look at Di Matteo, he was interim. You look at Benitez, he was basically interim. You know, it's not comparable. Lampard, I think, had, you know, had really gone into terminal decline without half of the pressures that, that, that Tuchel's had. You know, Tuchel's won the Champions League. He's, you know, he's he's got some credit in the bank and these are unusual times. So I think I, I can't disagree with you more on that. But, you know, you're entitled to that opinion. My thing is that there are players out there, you know, whether it's Ziyech, whether it's Pulisic, to a degree Mount, who I thought was very average against Wolves. Um, you know, Rhys James, who, you know, there's an argument to say he's tired. You know, um, there are players in that team that, you know, you're looking at thinking... And, and I certainly don't include Mount in this. Um, are you elite? You know, are next in 2022, if we really are going to have a full strength side out, are you elite enough to to do what this club expects you to do? I think there's a few players out there, and I include Ruben Loftus-Cheek in that, that I think have had enough chances now to prove that they are elite enough to play for our team in a title challenge and have not good enough. That's a simple thing. It's what we're really seeing here is players who aren't good enough, who could be upgraded and should be upgraded. And I know that's probably pressing a lot of buttons for some people, but I truly believe that. Well, that's a perfect time to do it is just at the end of the podcast. It's like a cliffhanger. You don't need oh. it. You don't need the whole squad to be elite anyway, in my view. I think Loftus-Cheek is a good squad player. I think Chaloba is a good squad player. Where you need elite is with Mount, with, is with Lukaku, is with two defenders. I think the rest of it you can get by because don't tell me Andy Robertson is elite. He's not elite, but he does a job for Liverpool. Jordan Henderson isn't elite, but he does a I job for Andy Liverpool. I think Andy Robertson's elite. No. I think he's not one of the close. best crosses of football in, in world football. Don't, I don't think he's an elite player at all. Well, Look, I, can I, I disagree just, this on This is that. a Chelsea podcast. We cannot be discussing Those two fullbacks are you know, one of the main reasons why they're... Yeah, I, so I look at it and just think, is John Stones elite? No. no is Nathan well, Ake elite? elite? No. no, you know, is... But, that there's certain it's players right, in that city. all the non-elite no, no, players. But, but, yeah, I'm just looking at just thinking, oh, but these players do a job in those teams. I just think that Chelsea, 
like we said, we we're talking about the start. Well, of it. we're we've relying to... on those players, Gary. That's the problem. Yeah, we're relying okay. on but them. then I think that if suddenly if you stripped out, which is going to be interesting in January for Liverpool when they strip out Mane and Salah for, um, Afcon, that's not happening it, by the way, right? Oh, what is that being persona? now? Well, it's going to be, isn't it? Because a civil oh. war. Where well, they're well, going to be. Yeah, it's well, not well, going to be COVID. Let's see. But, of, but let's, let's, let's see what happens. But if those players get pulled out of that team, you know, they're, they're going to be relying on Origi. Okay. Origi came off the bench and did a job for him against Wolves, but is he going to do it all the time? I think that's where Chelsea are finding themselves now. They've got their Origis coming in. And they're yeah. too Listen, prominent. Listen, I don't disagree with you on that. My, my my frustration is that, you know, at times when we need these players, they are not performing. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd go with that. And that's, again, I would also go with Gary's thought that we are in a perfect storm. Yeah. But we do need people to turn up and do the job. Now, talking of doing the job, tomorrow night we're playing Brentford in the Carabao Cup. How is that going to pan out? And let's get predictions because we've got to wrap the show up because we're at the end. So I'll go to you, Andy, first. Your thoughts on Brentford. How will we get through it and what's going to happen? Well, we were bloody lucky to get a result against them at uh, at Griffin Park or whatever their stadium's called these days uh, when we played them in the league earlier in the season. You know, we, we, we scraped through that one. Uh, they're a decent team. I mean, it's an opportunity for them to win a cup. They're going to go all guns blazing on it. We're going to put out the weakest team we possibly can against them. Um, listen, I don't think it would be any issue at all if we lose that game. Um, I think we will lose the game. I think we're going to lose it 2-0. OK, Gary, over to you for your quick thought. It won't go ahead. Oh, okay. Gary. Like it. If it did go ahead, what would your <laughs> prediction be? <laughs> The prediction would be, I'm going to get my mistletoe out and uh, give someone a kiss, Kerry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. I agree with Andy. The mistletoe will come, we'll have our pants pulled down and we'll lose. Okay, there, there we go. I, I'm not going to take that any further. I am going to go for... Well, you know, I just can't do anything else. Uh, I'm going to go for 1-0 at Chelsea against all odds in a game that really doesn't matter to us because I think Andy's made the best point. It really actually wouldn't be a bad thing if we weren't in that cup anymore. All right, well, look, um, we have to go now, but we'll be, we will be back at the end of the week for the Christmas Eve special. Um, we'll be looking at all the Christmas fixtures. All right, everybody. Keep the blue flag flying high and we'll see you all soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.